I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Well, he, he shared this, and I'll leave it like this. I'm not going to make the decision if I get the job. I'm not going to make the decision. You know, that's going to be the administration that's going to make the decision if I get the job or not. So I got to just continue to get this team to get better every week and try to win football games. I mean, almost every day we, we talk and we meet, and he tells me what I need, what he needs from me as a quarterback and as a leader. And I appreciate him because he pushes me. Um, he gets on to me. You know, he probably coaches me. You know, him and Coach Whip, they, they coach me just as hard as any coach I've ever had. Um, and they get on to me a lot. And that's, I kind of grew up with my dad on me a lot. And uh, my dad, like I said, my dad was with me when I was growing up. So I'm used to it. I'd rather a coach be more demanding and more aggressive and be more vocal about what they need from me instead of being passive. And It's never too late to turn this season around. So that's all I'm looking for. I'm, I'm more of a look forward guy. How can we fix this? Not looking at the past and what we did wrong. We need to focus on what we can fix and how to make this season better and try to still complete what we want to do. Hello and welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Stephen M. Sipple taking you through this hour as we get you ready for Saturday's 2.30 game on ABC, Nebraska-Illinois nationally televised contest. Big stage, big platform for Nebraska football, for Mickey Joseph. Uh, number 17 ranked Illinois comes in with Brett Bielema, um, who's only lost to Nebraska one time in his coaching career at both Wisconsin and now Illinois as they are red hot, and it's got a weird big game feel. And I think when you look at this game, October 29th, Sip, um, to have Mickey Joseph, to have Nebraska on ABC in somewhat of a meaningful game, and for him, kind of a meaningful stage to promote his candidacy as a head coach. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty intrigued. Well, there's a lot of intrigue, and part of the intrigue, too, is Nebraska could just make the West even more of a mess. I mean, they could make the West Division an utter mess, if they would beat six and one and three and one Illinois, so that's intriguing. Nebraska is always a TV draw, you know that. I mean, they're they're they get eyes. I mean, even with years of struggle, all those TV numbers that you see, Sean, Rob, and Abby, um, they are Nebraska gets eyes. It's amazing. Yeah, and you know, like you said, this is this is a game where uh, could define the Big Ten West race. If Illinois wins this game and do so convincingly. It's over. Yeah, I mean, they're running away with it, in my opinion. And then uh, flip side, Nebraska pulls off the shocker. Suddenly you have to include them in that discussion uh, because they put themselves firmly in the mix. So certainly no shortage of intrigue. And you know, I was talking about this on a on another show I did this week where you know, compared to where the feeling was just a month ago or a month and a half ago, to even be in this position at the end of October where we're talking about a big game and talking about Nebraska's chances of staying in the West Division race after what we saw after Georgia Southern and Oklahoma. Like, it's, it's a pretty remarkable turnaround and a real credit to Mickey Joseph and that coaching staff. And this is how Nebraska could win the West. Obviously, you beat Illinois. I'm not saying they're going to win the West, but uh, both Illinois and Nebraska play Michigan, okay? And Illinois has lost to Indiana. So if Nebraska were to theoretically win four of the final five, and finish six and three with the head-to-head win over Illinois, then they would be a six and three tiebreaker that would go to Nebraska. Um, so, you know, there there is a road to Indy, you know, which it seems laughable today right now, but there is a road to Indy for Nebraska, and it starts Saturday. That would be an interesting game in Indy. I don't even know if I want to contemplate that. <laughs> Can we just sit at the steakhouse? <laughs> <Yeah. Okay. laughs> Actually, the El Toro. Oh, yeah, we went Ooh. to the El Toro. Yeah. Was it the El Toro? I think so. Was it called El Toro? Yeah, let's just call it that. I'll call for, El Toro. For brevity's sake. Yeah, <laughs> that was excellent. They had world-class mezcal margaritas. But, but back class. back to the road, Nebraska has to travel off the mezcal margaritas. Uh, no, that there is a road, but it's a very steep hill for Nebraska to climb. I mean, first and foremost this week, I mean, that – this is as daunting of a challenge on both sides of the ball as they probably have faced all season long, just with the physicality 
Illinois has, um, you know, with their running game, Chase Brown, um, he's up there as one of the best running backs in the country. And uh, with that offensive line paving the way, then the other side, Illinois' defense ranks as good as there is in college football in every in every phase. Uh, they're one of the best pass rushes, one of the best run defenses. Uh, you know, they force uh, as many turnovers and you know, the just overall pass defense. They do everything right. And so Nebraska, a team that has been pretty volatile offensively to where they show flashes of being an elite, dynamic group, and they've also had stretches where they can't even stay on the field for three downs. Uh, you know, that's what – offense shows up for nebraska and how much they're able to hold up in the trenches against that illinois front uh will go a long way in determining just just how manageable that road potentially to indy will be you're listening here to the husker online show as we talk nebraska illinois but i do want to get to the other news of the week that came out the schedule for nebraska was released for the entire big 10 for 2023 and i wanted to spend a few minutes here breaking down that because that's coming up i mean we're less than a year away from the schedule now being played um, it's rare that they wait this long on a schedule release, but uh, because of 2020, there were some pandemic moves they had to make, and they're still kind of undoing some of those moves. Um, so Nebraska will play the same nine opponents that were originally scheduled okay. uh, for for the year, uh, but um, they, they had a Wisconsin game will be in Madison, not Lincoln. They had it back. They had the original one had it wrong, and then Purdue is in Lincoln, but. The things that jump out, number one, Thursday night opener in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. Minnesota, night game, probably on Fox. It's a bit hard to say with the new network. Then you go on the road the next Saturday at Colorado. So you've got two drivable road trips for Husker fans to open with either Mickey Joseph coaching this team or a new head coach with a lot of preseason chicken dinner coverage of Nebraska football and excitement. Um, around the state, I mean, th- th- those road matchups sip really intrigue me. Uh, it it feels intense right now. <laughs> I mean, this season's still going. That is incredible. That those first two games, drivable, winnable, um, great weather, full of intrigue. That, that's that's remarkable. Like Minnesota on Labor Day weekend, Robin. I mean, we're to take your family on that trip. It'd be yeah. a great weekend, and the, yeah. and the Minnesota State Fairs going on up there that weekend is awesome. As good of a time of year as there is to go to Minnesota, and again with the State Fair going on, like that's there's gonna be there'll be some buzz around there, and that that is for for people that don't know, that's the reason why the game is being played on Thursday, and why Minnesota always opens the year on a Thursday night because they never want to conflict with the state fair because it is such a big deal. And the up lake there. holiday, yeah, and so just for um, logistics' sake. They always play that first game on a Thursday night. So that's why Nebraska's – is this the first time since 95 they've opened on a Thursday night? They had, what, Oklahoma State and Texas Tech yeah. mm-hmm. uh, were Thursday night games? Oklahoma State was definitely. I remember that. I, I'd have to think back. I don't I'm pretty know. pretty sure. I think I, I saw that out there. So, you know, it's pretty rare territory there. But to go back-to-back, I mean, Colorado is what Colorado is. I mean, they're going to be going through a new coach. So uh, they've got their own issues to deal with. But – uh, to open two straight Power Five games on the road, including a division opponent right out of the gates. Welcome to welcome to Lincoln, whoever this new full-time coach I, is going to be. I don't envision any scenario where Nebraska doesn't have the more fans at Colorado than Colorado. Because like, really? the season they're having right now, they're in the tank, okay? <clears throat> and Colorado's going to want to sell the tickets. They, they want the money. Nebraska fans will buy out that stadium. We already saw it. Yeah, they've already done it once. That could get really embarrassing for Colorado. It could. Like, I mean, it, you it, could have 40,000 people. Maybe, maybe they'll move the game to, to Denver or something. Wouldn't you consider that, moving it to Mile High? I don't know. But it, it was – I think what happened in 2019, that was embarrassing for them. Yeah. I don't think you're crazy. Yeah. I, if I were a Colorado's AD, I'd be concerned about – that stadium's not very big. It probably seats 55. And Nebraska took 60-65% of that stadium last time. And think about this. That athletic director is obviously uh, very aware of the public perception about his program to where he's issuing statements, apologizing for the team's performance. Like, I mean, this isn't a guy that's got his head in the sand about what's going on with his team. And, you know, if Nebraska – what if they go and somehow beat Minnesota on the road? And then the momentum with a new coach starting 1-0 and in the conference. I mean, that would be a full-blown takeover part two of – Folsom Field. Okay, and the other thing on this schedule, after Colorado, Nebraska only has one road game over a seven-week period. That's crazy. I mean, that's a great draw. Yeah, Yeah. after those first two on the road, they basically take – they're a month 
without a road trip. So they go from September 9th to October 7th against Illinois, and then October 7th to November 4th to Michigan State. So, I mean, you have like two road games in two months over it's that stretch. A, it's a good good schedule for a new head coach. It, it is. Really a lot is. of time in Lincoln, you know, and then, you know, it just it sets up great. I mean, I, I think the crossover draw is as good as you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Which is? It's um, Michigan, Michigan State, State, Maryland. And then Michigan. Michigan. So Nebraska played Ohio State six straight years. They're on a cycle now <coughs> with Michigan as like they're kind of – they have the A brands from the, the east and the west, and they try to match the A brands up for a little cycle. Like Wisconsin might play Ohio State, Penn State, and Nebraska's A brand matchup right now is Michigan. And they get Michigan early, September 30th at oh. home. Oh, so that that makes a difference. Yeah, makes a big difference. But yeah, it's a it's a great schedule because um, even late in the year, you finish two out of three at home with Wisconsin being in Madison, November eighteenth. It could be just brutally cold on November eighteenth yes, in Madison. It will be. Bring bring the coat, Dan Hoppen. <laughs> we, we, one year we went to Wisconsin for the Melvin Gordon game, and, and Dan Hoppen had a windbreaker. Oh, no hat, no, no hat. And huh. I mean, it was it snowed like a foot when we were out there. Huh. It was, huh. a, it was one of those learning moments for young yeah. for the young. He had to buy there. a stocking cap and a bar. Yeah, <laughs> it was so. It, it, so it, don't do that. Anybody going to Madison on November eighteenth, two thousand twenty three, bring bring a coat. All right. Well, we've got a full show here on tap. We're going to get into Nebraska, Illinois. We're going to talk offensive storylines next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I think they've bought into their uh, their plan on defense, which they're just they're going to play man free and they're going to be aggressive. You can see how much, how they gain confidence throughout. You know, they shorten the game. I mean, the running back's a really good player, which helps the defense. But you know, they're really good on the red in a red zone. Very opportunistic. They can rush the passer. They play the run well and. You know, Brett's done a good job, so I've known Brett a long time and had a plan, and it's kind of come through for him. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Steve Sippel. This segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill, 30th and Yankee Hill Road. Get on into Tanner's. Watch all of the football, whether it's college football on Saturdays, NFL football on Thursday night, Sunday, Monday, World Series baseball, which starts up Friday, Saturday, Sunday. No better place to watch the game, get wings, get a cold beer, uh, get a great burger. Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill, 30th and Yankee Hill Road. And you guys just heard Mark Whipple talking about just the task at hand that he has this week playing a very, very good Illinois defense that on paper, you know, there's not very many flaws. They, they lead the nation in total defensive yardage. They've given up the fewest points in the country. The most points, Robin, they've allowed in a game is 23. So there really have been no chinks in the armor right here uh, for Brett Bielema and Ryan Walters in this Illini defense. Yeah, and you know that's a real credit to the brand of football Brett Bielema um, and his staff have, have instilled there. Now, the one thing I will say about <clears throat> Illinois' defense is they've kind of benefited off their schedule to where, in my opinion – now take it for what it's worth. They have not faced an offense with nearly the firepower in the skill positions, at least that they're going to see against Nebraska. And so, you know, stopping Wisconsin's or sorry, Virginia's passing game and Wisconsin's passing game and Iowa's passing game. That's nothing close to what they're going to see against Trey Palmer and Casey Thompson and Travis Volkolek and Marcus Washington, Alante Brown, go to Oliver Martin, go down the list. So that's where I think that Nebraska might have a, bit more of an advantage and people want to give them credit for when you just look at the statistics because on paper Illinois is as good of a defense as there is in the country but again the schedule that they faced has not presented much of a challenge as far as like legitimate NFL level skill play right I don't think you I mean you they're technically the number one scoring defense in the country yes 
I think the number's 8.9 they've allowed per game. But I don't look, I don't look at them and say that's the best defense in the country. Um, statistically, it is. I just like Illinois' setup. I mean, if you just look at – I mean, this is a little troublesome if you just step back. I just like the setup better. they got a better setup than Nebraska. they got a better overall plan. They do. You know? Identity. I mean, they got, yeah. I mean, they gotta, they're going to run the ball and they're going to keep the ball from you. All right? And their defense isn't going to have to play a lot. And when, when they do play, they're good. You know, when they're out there, they're good. Mm-hmm. But they don't even have to be out there very much because Illinois ranks in the top ten nationally in time of possession. And their third down defense is outstanding. There you go. You, know, you look at the number, Sip, that really gets me for this game. <clears throat> Illinois, according to Pro Football Focus, is averaging 21 quarterback pressure plays a game. So that's a, a hurry, a sack, or a hit on the quarterback. Mm. I mean, that, that, that's scary. That makes you really, you know, think about Casey Thompson a lot going in this game. Yeah, yeah. Five man front. Um, they play a five man front. So there's that. They're going to put a lot of heat on the offensive line. Just every every day. One on one matchups. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How can you pick? I mean, we can get to this later, but I just, the, all this. If you're picking Nebraska, you're an extreme optimist. Yeah. Well, it's eight and a half, but if it was in Champaign, this would be probably two touchdowns. Yeah, at least. So the question is, what can Nebraska do about that? From a personnel standpoint, on the offensive line, they are what they are. Uh, there's there's no massive per- roster lineup overhauls that they can do that's going to change anything at this point. So for me, it's all about the scheme and finding ways to, one, Get the ball out of Casey Thompson's hands quickly. If you're going to make him throw the ball, you got three seconds tops to get that ball out of there. And you need to have those quick timing routes that are going to protect him and, and protect that offensive line. Two, you got to find a way to, you know, kind of battle the the pressure by throwing over the top it with screen passes, you know, and finding some of those ways to use Illinois' aggressive pass rush against it. Um, the screen pass has been long missing from Nebraska's game plan for a long time. Uh, maybe this is the week where you bring that back, coincidentally with Ramir Johnson seemingly being more of a factor in that running back rotation. So I, I'm curious to see where that goes. But then also, um, you know, maybe move Casey Thompson out of the pocket a little bit more. Um, he's shown capable of being able to throw pretty well on the run. Um, he can get you five to six on the scramble. He's not going to be the Adrian Martinez type runner, but he can keep you on schedule with his legs. So I think getting him uh, from not being just a statue in the pocket, because uh, they'll lead him up if they do that. But I think there's ways that you can scheme this passing game to help your offensive line and, and help Casey Thompson. Yeah, this is where you do miss Adrian Martinez because, you know, if there was something not there on third down, Adrian was able to get a lot of those mm-hmm. third downs. And Casey, you just he can get them, but you really hold your breath every time he's exposing himself because he's just not built like Adrian was to take those hits. I mean, you, you saw Casey again on Monday at the pre- – or Tuesday. He's just not a big guy. No, he's not. I mean, he's – I mean, he's one of the smaller quarterbacks Nebraska's had in terms of physical stature in a while. Yeah, we got used to looking at Adrian. I mean, Adrian's big. Well, think of like Tanner Lee, how big he was. Big quarterback, yeah. Big quarterback. Tommy Armstrong. Pretty big. Like a running back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Casey's a little guy. They list him at six foot. No way. No way. He he doesn't look six foot to me. But I understand why they list him. But he's tough, as Mickey Mickey has said. Um, Now, the running back situation, by the way, for Nebraska, uh, Gabe Irvin Jr. still out with turf toe. Ramir Johnson has been bothered by a growing injury um, but should be available. He didn't travel to Rutgers, and that that was his home state. So it kind of lets you know how rough that situation is that they've gone back to Jacquez Yant. But can they get somebody else to compliment Anthony Grant? And can Anthony Grant this week give them 20-plus quality carries? Yeah, Mickey. now Mickey did say that Ramirez ready. So you'll you have Anthony Grant. Then I don't know who would be the number two. Probably Yan, and then Ramir. Well, listen. One thing that would be very interesting is if Nebraska comes out and Anthony Grant's getting five yards, four yards, six yards, seven yards a pop. Now I don't see it, but if they if they do that, then you know what? Then you look at the game a lot differently. Frankly, I mean, just that alone would change my perception of this game. If Nebraska's moving the line of scrimmage at all and Grant is running hard, his legs look live again, which they haven't looked the last mm-hmm. two games. He looked, his legs have not looked live. Um, that would change it a lot. What was the – hey, you guys are smart about this stuff. 
Do you remember when Michigan State came in here with a highly ranked run defense? That was Tim Beck was the coach. Tim Beck. I mean, was, was that what? What would you say if you had to guess a year? Is the during the Pelini years? And they, they fumbled the ball in the first possession, but they really attacked the line of scrimmage and they ran it on Michigan State. And I remember just being utterly shocked. It was a mirror. Yeah, it was a mirror. He got over a hundred. Well, and then the very, very first year of the Big Ten, Michigan State came in with Kirk Cousins, and and it was an eleven a.m. game, and you know, they they had they, they weren't afraid. I mean, Tim Marlowe had the longest run of the season on Michigan State in that game on a reverse play. I mean, they they just attacked him. Well, and, that's what I'd wonder if Nebraska could do that against Illinois. I can they will they be able to attack him like that? That would change. God, a it lot. just makes you realize. I mean, Nebraska was a top ten team that game in eleven when that game was in Lincoln in two thousand eleven and. Remember they put in that wrinkle where all the defensive linemen were like standing up and like attacking the line like they were like the Pittsburgh Steelers and Kirk Cousins didn't even know what to do and Memorial Stadium just ate him for lunch. I mean, man, you you miss some of those days because we just haven't seen that gives me chills that type of performance from Nebraska no. on a game and they got a chance. I mean, they got an ABC game on October 29th. Do something with it. Yeah, and so what, what is it now? Nineteen straight losses to ranked opponents. You Oregon to go, 2016. Go back to Oregon 2016. And that team time. finished four and eight. Yeah, and so, you know, at some point, if you want to put yourself as a legitimate <clears throat> contender in this conference, in this division, these are the types of games you got to start winning. I mean, Illinois, yes, they're a good team, and they do a lot of things well, but let's not make these guys out to be Alabama. I mean, you know, the, the, this is a game that if Nebraska wants to consider itself a legitimate team this season, the, 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 it's on the table. What are they going to do with it? All right, when we come back, we're going to talk defensive storylines next. You're listening to the Husker Line Show. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. What he does really well, obviously, he has breakout runs and he can make you miss. But his biggest strength that Chase has is that he's able to turn three-yard runs into six-yard runs. That's the number one thing that stands out the most to me. We got to focus on this week. We know, you know, obviously, these guys are number one, number one in the Big Time West. Um, we know they're a good team. We got to focus on them, beat them. You know, go back to number one, and then take care of the rest when it comes but uh, right now we just got to focus on these guys and, and you know these guys are a big enough challenge and today's got enough worries so we gotta worry about it today and we're back here on the Husker Online Show Sean Callahan Robin Washett Steve Sipple as we talk Illinois Nebraska it's a 230 ABC game as the Illini come in six and one ranked 17th this is by far the most meaningful football they've played in late October in a long time you'd probably have to go back to the year they went to the Rose Bowl with Ron Zook, and they already own the tiebreakers in the division over Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota. Um, clearly in the driver's seat, they have Purdue remaining, and they have Nebraska, and obviously a game with Michigan, but uh, they're really rolling, and a lot of it has to do with the way they've run the ball. You heard about Chase Brown there. This starts a span, gentlemen, where Nebraska will play the top four leading rushers in the Big Ten Conference for four consecutive weeks. Wow. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Illinois is an interesting team in that it's it's Bielema and his style is just line up and we're gonna beat you physically. It's really if they're if you're good at it, it's really a power move. It's a big flex. It's a good it's a good system. You'll see a lot of power runs, obviously. What scares me the most though is the counter. Mm -hmm. uh, those counter plays are dangerous. I mean, if if you over pursue that guy will chase Brown will kill you, yeah. and they can counter you to death. Go back to a year ago at Champaign when they ran the same left counter play, ran the exact same play, and Nebraska could not stop it on the Damian Jackson side. They were yes. going out when he when they were running away from JoJo Dolman and Cam Taylor Britt, the two NFL guys, mm -hmm. and said, "We're going to go to the side that has." You know, the 28-year-old Navy SEAL on it and just keep running on his and, side and of the, the field. And the young, was it Quentin Newsom? Quentin Newsom yeah. was in his first start. And that was, that was that, overwhelming for that's him. That's called coaching. They couldn't stop. So they found a weakness, and Nebraska couldn't do anything to stop it. And that lost him the game as a result. So I would expect 
Illinois to come out with the same game plan where they're going to do something, and if it works, they're going to make Nebraska stop it. How well is Nebraska going to be able to adjust, especially uh, when it comes, you know, as Bill Bush put it, it's just going to be a, a man's fight. You know, I mean, this is going to be one of those deals where Bill, Grow man they're fight. not going to do anything cute. They're not going to do any, like, gadget plays. They're going to run the ball right at you and force you to stop it. Two totally different styles, Sip, where Nebraska is a home run hitting team and Illinois is a lot of two- to six-yard runs. Yeah, I mean, you hope there's a lot of two- to six-yard runs and not 16- to 40-yard yeah. runs. I mean, if that happens, it's trouble. But, yeah, you're right, Sean. They'll ground it out. Against Minnesota, Chase Brown ran th- – okay, now, against Minnesota, which was an Illinois victory, obviously – Chase Brown ran 41 times for 180 yards. I think if you if Nebraska could keep him in that sort of range, they'll have a good shot to win. The as he gets to 200, and if he gets over 200, I just don't think you can pull it off because Illinois will have the ball too much. His yards after contact, he's got more yards after contact than Anthony Grant has total rushing yards. He has over 600 yards after contact this year. So, I mean, that's what Bill Bush was talking about. Like, What he does is he turns two- to three-yard runs into six- to seven-yard runs constantly. And what does that do? And it keeps drives on schedule right. and gives all the advantage to the offense. It keeps them and, and Tommy DeVito out of obvious passing downs. So you can't just go after the quarterback. And but it, it keeps the entire playbook at play with the RPO, with the play action, and with the traditional run game. So, I mean, it's – that's the the biggest key for Nebraska is being able to tackle on first contact and not allow those leaky yardage that constantly put Illinois in short second and short uh, and be able to just grind that clock down. You're listening here to the Husker online show, Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett, as we talk defensive storylines and no Nick Henrich, he's out for the season. I know we kind of hit on this last week as Treb Alberts broke that news on his radio show that Henrich was going to be out uh, for for the season, and, and Mickey did confirm that this That's week. It's a knee injury. Uh, knee injury. Knee. So, I mean, God, you wonder about his availability for next year. I mean, as we know, it's not a guarantee you come back. I mean, look look at Fedoni. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he hurt his knee Good in point. March. Good point. Um, so, it, you don't know. And, and Henrich is battle injuries, but Luke Reimer should be back. He will be back. Kalarvich will be elevated. Yeah. My question is, can they get enough quality snaps – Behind those guys, can they get quality snaps out of Edavamagua Clements or Ernest Hausman? Yeah, you know, Bill Bush on Tuesday didn't mention Kolarovich in that I know. conversation. I, I, I'm assuming that's an oversight. I mean, he's, he's on the depth chart. He's number one on the depth chart. Huh, that's odd. He probably just forgot. Yeah, Bill, 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 ta- Bill said it'll be a rotation. And he mentioned Va mm-hmm. um, and Hausman. And Snodgrass. And Snodgrass. Which was random. Yeah. I don't know if Snodgrass has even played. <laughs> <laughs> Since he's like the hurt. non-conference, yeah, yeah, he's been hurt. He mentioned those guys and not Kolarovich, so probably oversight. That's, right? I'm assuming. Yeah. I mean, Chris. I mean, there's no doubt he's going to have to play. I mean, he's going to be a starter at this point. The, the other thing too is, you know, you, you've got to play discipline because you know Brent Bielema was great at the play action when oh, he was yeah. at Wisconsin. Oh yeah. And if if you just sell out to oh. stop Chase Brown, oh, you know, you have nightmares of just that guy running by. No. Miles Farmer for a touchdown. Okay. And they got some playmakers. I mean, Hightower's a he can take the top off, uh, and they have the Williams kid, that, Isaiah Williams. Yeah, he's he's a shifty phone booth type guy. I so, thought he was going to be their starting quarterback at one time. Yeah, so I mean, that, that's the thing. If obviously stopping Chase Brown is priority one, two, three, but if you overcommit to that, they will kill you. And again, that's what Devito Devito's completing <coughs> over seventy percent of his passes, and that's because he's operating almost exclusively off play action RPO to where. He knows where he's going with the ball before the ball's even snapped because of the attention teams have to play to stopping Illinois' run game. He's going to get one-on-one matchups, and he's got receivers that could win those matchups. Tommy DeVito, yeah, 70.4% passer, 1,415 yards. Um, yeah, he, he's, he's efficient. Ten touchdowns, two picks. Efficient. Um now, you, Sean, talk about discipline. You're right. You guys are right about the way you characterize discipline. You know the way I characterize discipline in this game. Illinois just got pounded at you, pounded at you. You have to be ready to go every play physically. There's no real plays off that way. That if you're not, you got to be. I mean, they're going to be very sound in what they do, but they're also going to be very physical in what they do. Mm-hmm. And if you're not ready to, for that play to play to play to play. Brown will be run down the field. Absolutely. 
I was also intrigued by what Bush said. It was, you know, with the complexity of Illinois' offense, it's pretty basic. But what they do to throw you off is with those tight ends. They have two, sometimes three tight end sets, and they move those guys around mm-hmm. all over the snap, and they hit you with different leverages, different gaps mm-hmm. with the way that those tight ends block. So it's not just straight up line up and push. Like They'll get creative with how they lead with those tight ends, how they set the edge with those tight ends. And so that's another factor you have to account for. The edge. The Scary. Edge. Scary. Scary. Especially win- look what Purdue did. God, they hit they the hit edge, the edge. Yeah. If you're winning <laughs> the a third string walk-on. So if you win the toss, do you defer if you're Nebraska automatically in this game? Or do you fear them just running it right down on you on that opening yeah. drive? And then having control of the I'm game. I'm taking the ball. I'm, I'm taking the ball. But what if you go three and out real quick? I'm still taking the ball. <sighs> they haven't taken the ball on a winning toss in a while. Well, here's, here's the other factor. Mark Whipple himself said that you just don't get a lot of plays against Illinois. So by taking, taking the, the ball, ball, you want to jump you're guaranteeing yeah. yourself an opportunity to set the tone right out of the yeah, gates. I'm where I mean, the game could be a completely different feel by the time your offense even takes the you field. You got you're juiced up on your home. All field. right, you sold me. Yeah, I'm with, I'm isn't it funny up. though how Frost changed on that philosophy? In 2018, he was always take the ball, yeah. score, 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 and opposing teams even if they won the toss, they would take the ball knowing that he wanted the ball. But then he turned he turned into a defer guy, and um you know put his defense out there first um, as they had questions. So yeah, it, it, that that philosophy changed because at the beginning of Frost era here he was like I want the ball every time, mm-hmm. and that changed quickly. But I think this is a game if you're Nebraska you want to jump up first. Yeah, I agree. Especially when we just spent the last couple segments talking about maybe Nebraska's biggest advantage <clears throat> is their their game breakers at the skill positions. So get those guys on the field. Let them set the tone right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. All right, when we come back, we're going to bring in Abby Barmore. We'll take questions in the mailbag. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. When I first took this thing over, is that we're going to do things the right way. We're not, we're not going to sabotage the program. We're going to go out and work like we're going to be here. So we, we sent our coaches out, I think, in California, in Massachusetts. You know, they, I was in Atlanta. I was in Arizona. Um, Fishers in Florida, Dallas. So we went out. We went out. We went out as a staff. We kept the coordinators in. You know, the offensive defense coordinators in. But we're going to recruit and you know find find um, the pieces that we need. You know, and so we we're going to go heavy JUCO when it comes to the offensive line. And we're back here on the Husker Line Show. Sean Callahan, Robert Washett, Steve Sipple. You heard Mickey Joseph um, talking about the recruiting approach of the bye week and even the JUCO recruiting approach. Uh, we made they made eight offers in the JUCOs over the bye weekend. They also offered. Dylan Riola's younger brother, Dominic's youngest son, was offered a scholarship by Nebraska as a backup quarterback at Chandler. Um, they visited Bobby Newcomb's kid at Castile. A very active recruiting by week uh, by Nebraska. But let's bring in Abby Barmore. Uh, we've got the mailbag segment. Abby, uh, busy, busy volleyball week for you. Thank you for uh, joining us here. What do you got to lead us off in the mailbag? All right, our first question. Is it going to be hard for the new head coach to have two road games to start off his career in Nebraska? Yes. Yes and no. I, <laughs> I Sort of like road games. I mean, I think Minnesota will be tough. Like, But there will be 15,000 Nebraska fans in that game. I really believe that. And I think Colorado is almost more like a home game. Yeah. That's what, that's what I meant. That's yeah. what I meant by sort of like And correct me if I'm wrong, Colorado is one of those like tri They probably start – their students – who know? I mean, their students will be – but I, I just can't see that being – a tough app. Now, hopefully ESPN – actually, ESPN's off the deal, but hopefully that's not like a 9 o'clock at night game or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess in theory, starting the year against two Power 5 opponents, one division rival, uh, right out of the gates, that's that's daunting. But when you phrase it where, you know, I mean, there's going to be a lot of momentum and excitement behind, you know, whatever the new full-time head coach is and, and that staff. Uh, and then playing a Thursday night, you get a few extra days to recover and repair for that Colorado trip, which, as we said – who knows what even that environment's going to be like? That could be, like well, you, you know said, it could like. be a neutral site game if yeah. nothing else. You know what it's going to be like? It's going to be heavy Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that place was a play away from emptying out. Yes, the flea flicker. It was seventeen nothing late third quarter in that game, 
and then they broke it open and sent it to overtime, and Nebraska didn't have a kicker. <laughs> what a day. That was ungodly. It was an ungodly day. Unbelievable. At halftime, you were thinking, where's Nebraska? How, how far up the rankings? They were they? ranked. And then how far would they go up? And at the end, by the end of the game, there are grown men pointing at Nebraska fans and grabbing their junk. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. It was true. There's was, a vivid I was, picture. I was in stands for that yeah, one. So. I'll never forget it. A guy in a sombrero and another guy with his shirt off just came on the field, Colorado fans, and they hugged Mel Tucker after the game, after that win. <laughs> I mean, it was just. It was pandemonium. And I mean, I, I've never seen so many fans give the middle finger to like Nebraska yeah. fans. I mean, it was. Yeah. It was so, rough. Yeah. That might scare some. I don't think it will scare. I think people are mad like about that game and the, and the way they were treated out yeah. there. And Nebraska, if they win that game, it would have flipped over, and that whole town would have been taken over like a foreign military army coming down the main street, <laughs> and they would have they would have taken over the whole town. There it was, I mean, Rob. He got one. He in. got one in finally. It would have been like the German <laughs> army marching through Paris. <laughs> now, he's not, on, now he's on a roll. Now he's, he can't stop. No, <laughs> you stay, are the German stay army. Out of the way. <laughs> and then they would have just been sitting back. I mean, it, yeah. it, that, that was one of the more disappointing road collapses because of the moment it would have been. Yeah. Oh, it was disappointing. That was the first time we heard Adrian swear in a post game. Um, it didn't even feel genuine, though. It felt kind of forced. What do you mean? No, I thought kind of, maybe a little bit now that you mentioned like, it. Was I need to act mad, so I'm going to cuss. Yeah. That's what it felt like wow, to me. Sean. Mm. You don't believe me on that? You don't? A little bit. It just didn't feel like bit. him. Yeah, a little bit. All right, we better move on. What do you got? He's so sore about this game. Where you get in trouble, Sean? We got all year to talk about this one. All summer, all spring. <laughs> okay, what awesome. are your thoughts on Malachi Coleman saying that Mickey Joseph will be at Nebraska next year? I asked the question to Malachi. <laughs> I don't know if it was a fair question to ask a recruit, but I just said, hey, you know, there's a lot of questions about who's going to be the coach. I mean, Mickey may be here, he may not be there. I mean, what's your feeling on the situation at Nebraska? And he said, Mickey ain't gonna, Mickey's going to be here one way or the other, and he was very confident about that. So not surprised. I, I think, you know, if there were odds boards, Robin, Mickey would be the top of the odds boards of people on this staff that will be here next year. Yeah, no question about that. And, you know, it's also notable because can you remember, especially an in-state recruit that has been more directly tied to a quote-unquote position coach than Malachi Coleman was to Mickey Joseph? And I mean, obviously the dynamics have changed with him being the head coach now but uh yeah i think that that relationship and for him to answer that question with that much confidence leads you to believe that he's being told something and you know who knows what what mickey knows and and all that sort of stuff so um it just kind of further adds fuel to the fire that um even if mickey is not given the full-time job that he will be a priority coach to be retained for the success the succeeding staff yeah Sean, it was a good question, actually. I mean, I, I think it would needed to be asked, and it was a it was an answer that generated a lot of discussion, and it should. Um, and I think we discussed it, so let's move on. I mean, that was one of the reasons why I went. I wanted. I, that, <laughs> I knew he was com- committing to Nebraska. And I, I, I'm like, you know what? I want to know this. Like, yeah. what, what does he know oh, about? Absolutely, because yeah. he is the first guy to commit. But let's get on to the next question. Yeah. What do you got? I have a question for Robin about basketball. No. Oh. What pleasantly <clears throat> surprised you about Nebraska basketball's exhibition match on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, I take. 99% of that game with a major grain of salt. Uh, it's a D2 opponent, an exhibition game. Nebraska ran a grand total of two offensive sets, a post play, a perimeter play. So really there's not a whole lot to take away. But what I did like about that performance was all the talk about how they've kind of rebranded themselves as this gritty, defensive-oriented, um, you know, rebounding-type team. That showed. Uh, you know, they forced what, 19 turnovers. They dominated the boards, got a ton of offensive rebounds and second-chance points. Guys were diving for loose balls, playing tough defense, taking charges. All of those kind of intangibles that have been sorely lacking from Fred Hoiberg's teams the past three years. And so it is one exhibition against a very overmatched opponent but I thought that at least seeing some of that stuff translate onto a court against a live opponent was good. Now, can they do it again against Colorado, which um, you know was a significant step up? We'll see. But as far as just that first debut of this entirely new group and entirely new approach, I thought there were a lot of positives to take away. All right, my next mailbag question. Come back next week for that. Okay. Hmm. Um, 
What is the number one key to victory for Nebraska's offense and defense against Illinois? Number one key to me is the start of the game. I think Nebraska needs to get some control of things. I don't think this is a game where you want to get in the hole because then it just plays into their hand with the way they run the ball and the way they play defense and the way they're going to get after Casey Thompson. And then I think number two, they've got to find ways to, to get a couple big plays. They've been great at it all year with Trey Palmer and Anthony Grant to an extent. Can they do it again when they know it's coming? Illinois knows it's coming. Mark Whipple proved he could do it last year with Jordan Addison. Everyone knew he was going to make big plays. He still made them. Um, can Whipple prove it again with Trey Palmer? Yeah, and with the big plays, I'll throw that over to the defensive and special teams as well. Nebraska's been able to come up with some game-changing plays on special teams with block punts, getting some good returns. And so that that has to be a factor where Nebraska wins that phase of the game. Uh, for them to have a chance of winning the game, they got to win special teams. Uh, but then uh, you want to break it down even simpler, win third down. Um, Illinois is very, very good at getting off the field on defense, and they're very, very good about converting third downs because of how well they keep drives on schedule. If they're able to dominate the time of possession, keep Nebraska's offense off the field, it's going to be a long day on Saturday. I think we're conditioned, to, Sean, to say <clears throat> Nebraska needs a good start. I don't agree with you on that. I don't think they do. I think they're built to come back. I mean, Nebraska is definitely built to come back. Because they can score in a hurry. Yeah. So I, that doesn't bother me. If, if Illinois would get up 10-0, 14-0, it's not good, but Nebraska is much better equipped than they were for years and years to come back into that scenario. I just think it's about Chase Brown. This game, I mean, Chase Brown is not. I mean, obviously he's good for their offense, but as Whipple pointed out, he's really good for their defense. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, he's a, keeps almost, him off the field. Yeah, I mean, so you got to get him off the. You can't let him. You can't let him turn three into six continually. Yeah, if he's averaging six or seven yards a pop. You're in trouble. Good night. Final question. All right. The 2023 schedule was released on Wednesday. What road match are you most excited to go to? I mean, how can you not be excited about that opening stretch, guys? Uh, mm -hmm. We talked about it in the in the opening of the show, but Labor Day weekend in Minneapolis, then a trip to Boulder the next weekend. Yeah, yeah. Boulder. You'd like to be at home, um, but that, those are great trips um, for Nebraska fans in an era where when they joined the Big Ten, they didn't get a lot of easy trips to get to. Well, you got two drivable games and good weather, and you can wear shorts. I mean, those, those are going to be great trips. <laughs> yeah, I and mean, it's hard for me to pick one of those two because, I mean, just the, the scene of Thursday night opening the season against a division rival, uh, and then all the the excitement around the State just, Fair, just, around Minneapolis, the weather, like it's going to be an awesome scene. And then – I love going to Boulder. Oh, yeah. I love going to Colorado and just the way that the last game out there went. Like, you know, Nebraska fans are going to be dialed up. Like, that's going to be a super fun atmosphere as well. So, I guess if I had to pick, I'll go Minnesota just because it's the first one and Nebraska will be undefeated. Potential new coach. Going into that game with a new coach. Uh, and the tenor might change depending on the outcome going into Colorado. I like, <clears throat> I like Colorado because of the nostalgia of going back and playing a Big 12, Big 8 team. And also, I'm wearing shorts, Sean. Sean, <laughs> Sean makes fun of me when I wear shorts. I'm wearing shorts both games. Both Dave, games. Dave Pilotti might throw you out of that press box Maybe in Colorado. Sandals. I might. I wear. I might throw some you know, sandals. sandals. Well, easy. Easy. Yeah. Isn't Dave still the? We got to be careful me, here. It's too Dave, far. <laughs> Dave's still the SID at Colorado, right? Yes. God, he's been there forever. Yeah, he has. He said he'll throw you out of there wearing those shorts. <laughs> he doesn't mess around. Oh, he. Dave oh, Pilotti's story. <laughs> <laughs> somebody was talking in the press box like during the post-game press conference when it's on the feed and he just turned around and yelled shut the really <laughs> bleep really? <laughs> it, was, it was man yeah old school but yeah. that, those are going to be great trips uh the wisconsin trip's always good too guys but that november 18th Ooh. in madison uh, yeah that's too cold i love the the early October, late September, Wisconsin trip, because it's actually still enjoyable. You can go to the student union, grab a beer, look at, sit out by the lake. Like, I mean, that there's very few cool campuses like Wisconsin, but when it's negative three degrees with a negative 20 wind chill, snow blind in your face, no thanks. I when got, does, when does rifle deer season start? What um, I want to say it was around that earlier on that, around that time or the week earlier. Okay. But yeah, they, they could dodge a bullet if it was deer hunting season. There was like 20,000 empty seats for that game. But all right, when we come back, we're going to close the show. We'll talk Big Ten football next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. 
Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. God, that's a kick in the gut losing him. He's a great player. He's a better person. He's a better leader. He's a game changer for us just to have around. You just want him at that. The room changes when he walks in. And the amazing thing is the room still changes when he walks in, uh, in, in on crutches. That just tells you what, a, what a, a great human that he is. So we miss him very much, and we've had a lot of long talks with him. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washit, Steve Sippel. We talk Big Ten football here each week in our final segment of the show here during the regular season. Um, let's get in through last week's games first. You had five Big Ten matchups. Uh, Rutgers, Noah Bedrill, eke out Indiana. Big win for Greg Schiano, 24-17. Ohio State uh, beats Iowa 54-10, a 44-point margin of victory for the Buckeyes. Uh, the Hawkeyes, I believe, Sippel were one of thirteen on third down in that game. Mm-hmm. Just, just uh, an atro- we'll, we'll get into that that here in a second. Maryland beats Northwestern thirty-one twenty-four. They're bowl eligible. They're six and two now. The Terps, and then Wisconsin, probably the surprise of the weekend. They handled Purdue thirty-five forty-four. Jim Leonard just starting to rip off that interim tag here as we speak, um, as they've got a very favorable draw here down the stretch with four games remaining now. And then Penn State over a Tanner Morganless Minnesota, 45-17 in Happy Valley for the whiteout game. Not a surprise there. Um, but let's hit on two things here first. Number one, the Iowa offense and how mm. that big of a story that's become with Kirk Ferentz, Brian Ferentz. Then number two, Wisconsin handling Purdue a week after they looked fairly good against Nebraska. Yeah, that big story. There's a big story out there. I mean, it's a national story at this point. Brian Ferentz, the son of Kirk, and a lot of people were talking about nepotism. Kirk put, pushes back and says, I haven't I haven't made a firing. I haven't made a move on an assistant coach in 23 years. I evaluate after the season. Um, yeah, Sean, you mentioned there Iowa was one of 13 on third down. They also had six turnovers. That's the most turnovers Iowa's had in a game since 2009. Now, I, the w- only thing I'd add before Rob weighs in here, I I watched it, and it was laughable on third down. Mm-hmm. That was it, I, I hate to say that, but it, I was watching. You know, I was fading in and out of it a little bit, but I wanted to see. <laughs> I wanted to see third downs because they were so. Iowa had zero answer on third down. It was nothing. No, all they could go to is Laporta. I mean, Sam Laporta, that's all they got. That's really yeah. all they got. Yeah, and so, I mean, it's become almost an even bigger spectacle than how bad it's been on the field with the trench or the way that uh, Kirk Ferentz is digging his heels even further into this whole deal where uh, he's getting pressed on it more and more, and this is kind of a unique situation for him. Usually he doesn't get come out like this mm-hmm. from uh, you know local media, Big Ten media, national media, so... Uh, you know, interesting times in Iowa City, but certainly I think Wisconsin doing what they did to Purdue, and I know they were they were slight favorites, but I mean that that was a big win for them, and it shows I think that's further confirmation that Jim Leonard is their guy. Uh, it was the reason they made that move when they did, and um, not only is he not doing enough to to lose that job, he is kind of uh, confirming Wisconsin's belief in him that that he is the future of that fr- that program. I want to go back to Iowa real quick. Did you guys know at all that Kirk Ferentz had his own PR agency? Like, so he has somebody else besides what the university has, like that manages his own personal PR. Which I did not know. That. I found that interesting. Well, I, I probably had to do that in the wake of the scandal, and maybe yeah, the school didn't yeah. want to be involved in those discussions, but. I just can't imagine a head coach having a separate PR person that like manages him. Now hold on, go back to whatever summer that was when that stuff about twenty 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 when that all broke out about you know race questions within the program. Oh yeah, I can definitely see hiring a firm. Uh, that was complex. That was a complex yeah. issue, Sean. And there were a lot of moving parts in that discussion. And he survived it. Yeah, he did. You needed to make sure you you say the right thing. Yeah. So having someone yeah. kind of look over all of your appearances and all that I, was probably smart. Yeah. But how about him calling out Doug Lessamore, <laughs> the writer of the article, did he? on did he? on the next on the press conference this week? He said. You know, I thought a lot about Saturday, and it was a rough day, but I said, you know what, my day could have been, I'm paraphrasing here, he goes, my day could have been a lot worse. I could have been that guy. 
that, had his job and had his, his job, job that had to write this and it just didn't come out very yeah good. my guess is that cleveland.com writer doesn't have a, a 42 million dollar buyout that's what Kirk is. okay <laughs> no i don't I'm, i mean i'd feel good if i had a 42 million dollar buyout. five games this weekend guys again um your 11 a.m game is big noon game it's fox ohio state at penn state the Buckeyes are 15-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. You got a rare 130 game on the BTN. It's the only BTN game of the day. It's Rutgers at Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota, two-touchdown favorite. Then the ABC game is Nebraska and Illinois. And Lincoln, Illini, seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Then you've got a 230 ESPN2 game, Northwestern, one-and-six at Iowa, who's 11-point favorite. And then the night game is Michigan State at Michigan, the Wolverines are a 23-point favorite on ABC. Go ahead, Rob. Go ahead. I was going to say, you, you left out the most important number. The over-under for Iowa Northwestern is currently at 37.5 points. Scoring explosion in I Iowa just, City. I want to see, see Jim Hammer Sparty. That's what I want to see. And he, I mean, if he gets yeah. the chance, oh, will. he will hammer no Mel doubt. Tucker. No doubt about yeah. it. Yeah. Like, he does probably not like the fact that Mel Tucker makes more money than him. The highlight of the week for me was was when Jim Harbaugh was asked about the tunnel situation at Michigan, where that was awesome. Oh, James Franklin was making a stink about it. Well, James, yeah, James Franklin. This was October fifteenth when Mich- when Penn State went to the Big House, and you know, you guys have been there. Both teams go in the same little tunnel, mm-hmm. and they both lock are in the same area. And Franklin looked like he had his Penn State team stop and hold up Michigan. And it caused quite a quite a scene. And um, Harbaugh was asked about this week again because Franklin said that Michigan needs to rectify its tunnel situation. And Harbaugh said, "I got bigger fish to fry than listening to James Franklin whine." Mm. It was amazing. Mm. It was it was it was amazing. He's kind of reached the territory where he doesn't care anymore. I love it. I I do too. Unfiltered Jim Harbaugh is the best. Oh, it's good. (laughs) It's good. If you if you get a chance, listeners, YouTube that or find it. It's, he's at a podium, and to see his expressions are priceless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, he said, I got bigger fish to fry. <laughs> so take out the Nebraska game. Is everybody going chalk on these Big Ten picks? Ohio State over Penn State, Minnesota over Rutgers, Iowa over Northwestern, Michigan over Michigan State. Do you, do you see an upset in there at all? Man, those are some big lines. Northwestern I mean, could upset Iowa. That's the one I could see. I mean, Nebraska-Illinois is the smallest line of the week in that whole slate, and that's – Seven and a half points. Yeah, a little surprised that 11 a.m. game in Happy Valley, Ohio State, is that much of a favorite. I, I don't. I think that game could be a little tighter than that. I do. Even though Michigan, I know what you're going to say. Simple. Michigan ran for 418 yards against Penn State. Yeah, Ohio State's not equipped like that. They're not going to run for 418 yards. Oh, should I land it? Yeah. All right, it should be a, a good weekend of games, and uh, we'll have full coverage of Nebraska-Illinois uh, on Husker Online. And remember, join us for our post-game show. Uh, game should end about 6. We should be on – What time? About 9, 9.30. i got to run it by Trey, but we'll be on 9-ish, 9 o'clock. Yeah, we better set that for 1 a.m. We better set that for 9. We're going to shoot for a 9 p.m. start on the YouTube channel live. If you miss us on the YouTube channel, you can watch the archive there or download the podcast on the Husker Online channel. Make sure you check us out on Husker Online. Try us out. $10 gets you Husker Online for an entire year. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.